All right, Lucas. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Thanks for uh, me- making the trip out here to meet me up. I really do appreciate it, bro. We uh, got a chance to meet at the Arizona Entrepreneurs event. Shout out to Devin. That was really cool, bro. I got to hear a little bit of your story and really excited to have you on here and just kind of dive into it a little bit more. Um, so thank you, bro. No, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. And it's a privilege. Yeah, bro. If you want to just introduce yourself a little bit, uh, tell us like a little bit about yourself and your story. Um, it's very interesting for anybody listening. So go ahead and just like tell us a little bit about, you know, your story and what everything that's going on, man. Okay. Well, uh, so as you know, so my name is Lucas Carlson. I currently am out here in Arizona. I run a digital marketing agency, but why I'm on this podcast for is for the 501c3 nonprofit that my family and I have worked to build over the years. In October of 2016, while I was attending school up in Flagstaff, Arizona, I was in a near-fatal motorcycle accident that left me in a coma with a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. I was then taken down to St. Joseph's Hospital, Barrows Neurological, where I underwent treatment for the inpatient there, waking up with little to no memory. Friends that I had known for years would walk into my hospital room and my first question would be, who are you? I couldn't remember a lot of things. I forgot a lot of words like light bulb and I had lost most if not all of my muscle during that time where I had to relearn how to walk again and relearn how to use my entire body. So it was as if I just kind of snapped and then reset just one day. That's crazy, man. So let's let's kind of go back to the accident. I, you want to talk a little bit about the accident and like what happened and how it happened? Yeah, sure. So while I was attending college up in Flagstaff, uh, I had a motorcycle. I had a Honda CBR RR1000, which I loved. Um, took it up there, was driving one day in the morning, went to go get a little bit of groceries to bring back because we had some friends coming up for the week and a lady had not seen me and she pulled out directly in front of me. I had to lay my bike down and I slid on the asphalt cutting up my body and slammed into her car directly with that. I don't really remember the accident itself or the next week and a half, two weeks roughly. Oh my gosh, dude. What was, I mean, what was, what, what was the first thing you remembered after the accident? So thinking about that, after the accident, I woke up in a regressed state. And what I mean by that is I regressed back to a childlike state to the point where I was a kid again. I knew who my mom was. I knew who my sister was. I knew who any close family was. But anybody that I had met over the past few years or anybody that I'd even known from middle school, for instance, I couldn't really remember them. Waking up, it was as if a child had just kind of woken up. I found everything interesting. I was happy about everything. And then for the first two to three months, I thought this was all a dream, honestly. Really? Yeah. It was waking The whole up. accident and everything? Just about. Because I didn't remember anything prior to waking up. It was a blank state. And then every night when I'd go to sleep and wake up in the morning, it was as if it restarted again for the first couple of months. So each day was a new day. I knew who Are I you was. Serious? Yeah. Wow, so like every day would just be like a blank slate? Just about. Um, I would know who I am and my memories would slowly be there, but every day was a new day to me basically going through that again. Oh my gosh, dude. That, it's such a crazy, a crazy thing to happen. And I know it's, it's probably happened to a lot of different people, you know what I mean? Have you, I mean, we can kind of go into this later on, but have you, what have you realized as far as like your foundation and everything like that? Is it like, how common is it? You know what I mean? 
So it is more common than you can, than you'd even think or imagine with that. So if you've ever played sports or anything back in high school. I played football. Yeah. Played so football. I'm pretty familiar with like concussions and stuff like that. So I, I wanted to ask you about that, but, but yeah, let's, let's, start, let's stay, stay on one topic. <laughs> so, you know, yes, uh, concussions is actually a mild form of TBI. Okay. Um, so that occurs and it's very often, but when you go to the more medium to severe with that, the about roughly about 1.8 million Americans alone uh, suffer or receive a TBI each year. Say that again. So 1.8 million Americans alone each year sustain a TBI. That's crazy, man. What, what, what is the majority from? Is it from motorcycles, cars? Is it from sports? Do you know like what the majority of it is from? So from my knowledge, a majority of it is from motor vehicle accidents as well as falls. So when you get to a certain age or even if you have some deficiencies with your legs or you can't really do certain things, if you fall and hit your head on something, that can cause a TBI. So the most common are going to be motor vehicle accidents or falls. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, let's go back to the recovery process. Um, you mentioned like every day was like a new slate for you um, after the motorcycle accident. What was the recovery process like? And I mean, how'd you get to the point where you're at now? Because if, if I just knowing you now, like I never re- probably would have known anything about, you know, what happened to you in your past. Like, how'd you... What was the recovery process like, and how did you get to the point where you're at now? How, how many years has it been? Uh, it was in 2016, so it's been about, it's coming up to seven this October. Okay, okay. Just about. And so I, to kind of go back to the recovery process with that, I woke up initially in the hospital down at Barrows Neurological at St. Joseph's, and I underwent the next two weeks of inpatient therapy where I relearned how to walk again, relearn how to do basic movements, and just regain the basic muscle strength to be able to function on my own. By that, they would have a belt around me and they'd assist me with walking. I couldn't hold on to things for too long and I had lost most, if not all, of my muscle strength with that. Returning home, I had to be under 24-hour supervision for the first few months because also while I was in a coma, I had a few seizures. So during that time, I had to take some medication immediately afterwards to help with those seizures and to monitor those. So initially, 24-hour supervision, and after getting out of the hospital and finishing up with inpatient therapy, I began outpatient therapy at St. Joseph's. Very basic with that as well. I did that for a few weeks and it helped, but I was still in a childlike mindset to the point where I just wanted to stay home. I wanted to play video games, but I couldn't because I wasn't allowed to look at screens for the first, I can't even remember the exact time duration for that, but I couldn't look at screens or deal with anything that could cause disruptions in my brain or the functioning with that. What really changed everything is during the time that I was in outpatient therapy, my mother made a lot of made an enormous amount of effort to look for a appropriate recovery program for me and for my injury. Mm. Doing that, she found CTN, Center for Transitional Neurorehabilitation, at Barrows Neurological, St. Joseph's, again with that. I had to undergo an interview process where I had to go through multiple interviews uh, in order to get admitted as well as to earn scholarships to actually go to the facility because it had a high price tag for very good reasoning with that. Once I was admitted into CTN, I began the really long road of recovery with that. It is an intensive recovery program specializing in neurorehabilitation, of course, with that. 
and it would occur five days a week from about 6.30 a.m. till about 3.30 p.m. <clears throat> there I worked... <clears throat> it occurred... <coughs> yeah. some water, bro? Yeah, let me get some. Yeah, no worries, man. I can go through and kind of chop it up, so yeah, no worries at all. I heard. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I get dry, dry muffins. But yeah, so we were talking about the uh, recovery recovery process that you were going through. So yes, after being an outpatient for a little bit, I was admitted into CTN, Center for Transitional Neurorehabilitation. Put the, put the mic a little bit. There you go. So after being an outpatient for a little bit, I was admitted into CTN. There, I began the long road to recovery with it. CTN is a very intensive recovery pro uh, program where they had strict rules while I was in there that I had to follow and abide by as well as professionals for just about every type of recovery program you can think of. I attended it about five days a week from 6.30 a.m. till about 3.30 p.m. working with various physical therapists, speech therapists, occupational therapists, nutritionists, um, different programs that helped me readjust. We were in different types of specialized programs like outdoor outings to where we would practice our navigation and planning skills going out but to actually break it down it was a lot going through that each and every single day my physical therapist would take me on walks throughout the St. Joseph's Hospital where that would help me with my endurance as well as route planning and memorization because I had to learn how to navigate throughout the entire hospital, which if you've been in a hospital, it's a bit of a maze. <laughs> yeah. And then my occupational therapist would take me through daily practices of typing of word articulation and bringing me through that as well as the driving simulator and driving courses that I had to go in order to regain my driving abilities. My speech therapist, it started off with the childlike game. So if you remember as a kid when you had those note cards which would have an image on one side and the actual word of it on the other side, like what is this? Flip. I had to go through that and that's where I realized that I had forgotten a lot of words I didn't really know of. So as I mentioned before, I forgot the word light bulb amongst other, but that is the biggest one that kind of stuck with me. Then going into the nutritionist where we would do meal planning, we would practice creating lists for what we had to actually get at the store. We practiced going to the store with our therapist, getting that and bringing it back to cook up a meal with that. We had a group called Milieu, which was kind of a group oriented where all the patients would all come to the same room and we would go through the basics of communication with each other and in a group setting. And going through physical therapy, we had various Tai Chi, yoga, and general physical education, which we learned about just about everything for that. That's going into cool. the advanced courses, that's where we practiced our program specific. CTN had three types of programs. They had the return to home, the return to school, and the return to work programs, where they specialized on different activities in order to help you get back to that point. So I began with getting a new job where I had limited work hours. I could actually work with that. They worked with my team of therapists and doctors and neurologists, neuropsych, psych, uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, the whole nine yards with that to make sure that I could ease my way back into life and into work with that. Going through it all, it was very comprehensive and holistic, 
but without it, I don't think I would have been able to make as phenomenal of a recovery as I have. When I talk to new people, like as you just said for yourself, no one really tells or can even notice it unless I mention that. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, do you think without that, what was the program called again? CTN, Center for Transitional Neuro Rehabilitation. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, while you're going through all this, I'm like, man, it's, it's like so much, you know what I mean? I was, I was going to ask you if you think you could have done what you've done without, without that program. Of course, I want to say that, yes, I could have, but going through that program really helped me to get to the point where I am today. Yeah. And without them, I don't believe that would have made such an amazing recovery in such a short amount of time with that yeah yeah it's it's crazy man it's like they pretty much went through everything with you like from top to bottom from i mean you you just went through it all not not just like the physical side of it but the mental side like integrating it with your life you know what i mean it's it's pretty crazy to to think that you went through all that what was what would you say was like the most challenging thing to like get back to you know what i mean like was it the physical side of it or was it like just getting back to normal day-to-day life or and then on top of that, like, you know, trying to figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life, like with dealing with all this. So I'm just curious, like, what was what would you say, like, was the most challenging part of it? Well, I will have to say that the physical side was very daunting and got into my head with that. I had realizing that I couldn't walk a certain distance without getting exhausted, realizing that I had lost my grip strength and having to go through the practice for that. But definitely the psychological and emotional changes that occurred in my body because of the injury and the accident itself. So as I said a little bit earlier, realizing that I didn't know the word light bulb because you don't really know that you don't know a word until they show you the card or they say, hey, what is this? And you're like, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, that those moments you just kind of realize it. But going through for the memory aspect of it, the way that it was described to me and the way that I like to describe it as it really kind of helps to understand, it's... Think of a tree with its tree branches. The tree branches and like the leaves and everything, those are the memories. The tree, the branches were all cut. And just working through that helped me to reconnect them and to understand exactly where they are and how to access them. So the most challenging part, I'd have to say for me, was the mental and emotional going through that itself. Uh, I wanted to quit the program multiple times and even tried making attempts with it, but I stuck with it and worked hard because it was a lot going in every single day for close to a year and a half of the same things over and over and over again. And at a point you think, oh, I'm fine. I can keep doing it, but sticking with them and listening to what they said in the program and actually following through with the dedication and the discipline to is really what helped to make such a difference in my recovery. When when did you get to the point where you could start, um, you know, with like physical fitness and actually like working out? How long did it take to get to that point? Because I see, you know, you're working out now. I mean, I saw a couple of videos on your IG. You're in pretty good good shape now. So I mean, like, how long did it take to get to that point? Was it just like a slow process all the way to to it, or how did that work? So there's different levels of it, I'd have to say, with that. And what I mean is the initial stages or levels of getting back to just the day-to-day life, that took a couple months. And what I mean by that is when I first woke up, my body would be exhausted doing the basic day-to-day activities or just simply walking around to where we actually had a nap time for a a little bit. So like one of my earlier classes is that they would have us go over to a darkened room, all that kind of stuff, and just lay down, rest, and not do anything for a little bit. So going through the physical therapy, it took me a few months before I was just physically 
capable to do the basic day-to-day -day activities and challenges with that. Going forward is when they started getting us prepared for going out into the day-to-day, -day, our work, and actually giving full physical activity for that. And that continued on for half a year, I'd have to say. It took me to before I could be confident in my own physical skills to be comfortable going to work out and going to do that stuff. But where I am today is definitely from my own personal knowledge and my own interest in learning how to approach that in itself. Because when I started working out right after I was out of my recovery and out of the program on my own, I worked out, I was happy with it, but I didn't really pay attention to the nutrition that actually went into that. Then come COVID, I got into another car accident, not uh, as bad as a motorcycle accident because I have a nice hefty Jeep right now and so protected in that. But I got into another accident and that kind of shocked me and shook me awake to where, thinking about it, I re-entered my recovery process mentally. It, I would, it wasn't as bad. I wasn't damaged even close to it, but it reignited that mental capacity of wanting to recover with it. So sure, yeah. going into that, I then spent... A few months working on nutrition, building myself, and just doing daily exercises and workouts to make sure my body was healthy with that. And now I'm at a process where I'm trying to build my body up a little bit further, trying to get it a little bit more and build my confidence even more. Yeah, for sure, bro. One of the things that, you know, as I'm kind of hearing you tell your story that really sparked sparked an idea in my head that I really like is you kind of took this terrible accident and this terrible situation and it's like kind of created this new person you know what i mean like you like you know so much about the brain now you know so much about the recovery process nutrition like i was going through your videos bro and it's it's really cool to see how you've kind of taken that you know tragic situation and turned it and flipped it upside down and now it's like you know it's like your whole you know what i mean like it's like you're you're doing so much good with it that i think it's it's really inspiring bro and uh like just you know just from me listening to you right now i gotta say it's really inspiring for sure um how i guess my question is how did you do that like how did you how how did you turn such a negative or you know tragic experience in, into like you know in a, in a positive outcome how would you say you've kind of gone through that like as far as the mental side of it if that makes sense so hug your head originally the idea was spawned actually by my mother when she was in the hospital room while i was in a coma and once she had to focus more on me and my actual recovery, she didn't have the time to build that up. But during COVID, as I said, I got into another car accident with my Jeep that I'm currently in. And I realized that this, I am blessed to have access to the resources that I did and for the recovery that I have because of that. And because of it, I want to help others who are going through that. So I started doing just some easy Instagram reel videos about the knowledge that I knew. What inspired me to really make Hug Your Head what it is today and using my own experiences to help others is the sense of I could look at my accident as the worst thing that has ever happened to me because it was terrible amongst other things that have happened in my life, but this made me restart my life in an instance. and looking at my recovery, looking at the opportunities I was given and the resources that I had access to, it was, it 
grew to be my passion to where it's like I want to help other people who are going through this. So I started doing some little videos on Instagram, did some reels. Those are pretty easy. And the amount of feedback I actually got from other survivors who would just kind of stumble upon my videos was tremendous. It was hearing them say, like, thank you for doing this. I really needed this. And hearing those things really just kind of hit me emotionally. Past that, I wanted to take what I learned about my own nutrition, my own health, and my own practices and knowledge, and being able to teach that to other people who are going through the same experience or know somebody who's going through the same experience was just something that I realized I had to do and I wanted to do with that. felt like kind of like an obligation almost to you. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> it felt like a calling in yeah, a sense. Yeah, that's that, yeah. a better word for it, yeah. Um, it was a calling and... During that time, I got closer to God, found my faith a little bit more, and asked for guidance with that, and this is the guidance that I kind of got, in a sense, and it inspired me to learn even more about my injury, learn even more about how many people are really affected by it, and that's when I found out that 1.8 million people in America alone receive a TBI, and that's a huge number that is still growing to this day. Learning more about the injury and learning more about the brain and its superpower. Our brains have a natural superpower of neuroplasticity. Right. The brain is constantly working to rebuild and create new neural pathways in order to accommodate for any type of difficulties that we face. Learning about that really gave me a shock for how amazing the human body is. The sense that we can literally shape it how we want to just by thinking about that. So going through it and using my knowledge, I started to inform other people. I did some speaking events. I started talking with other survivors who had reached out to me. And it all just hit me very emotionally and hit me at home. So that's how I decided to make Hug Your Head, which was just an idea, an official 501c3 nonprofit organization. I have gone and done a few speaking events in various areas around here in Arizona. I started doing online. I've been hosted on a few different other online podcasts and then coming on to here. And I just want to spread the message as this is an invisible disability. Also hearing how many other survivors, including myself, again, most people don't notice it. Most people don't know and most people will say, oh, you're fine, you look fine with that, but it's the sense that it really does affect the day-to-day -day as our brain, of course, controls everything. Our emotional levels, our chemical levels, our mental, and those can really be affected by damage to the brain, and especially each part of the brain that can be affected and learning how each part of the brain, each lobe of the brain is going to have different results or different symptoms that come with it it's the fact that no two brain injuries are ever alike they could be similar but there will never be two brain injuries that are the same so taking what i have been doing taking my knowledge taking my experiences and being able to translate that into information and resources that other survivors can use i found to be a passion of mine that's really dope, bro. The brain, like, now that you're talking about this, the brain really is something that's fascinated me as well. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard somebody say that there's more neurons in your brain than there is stars in the galaxy or something crazy like that. 
Does that sound about right? Or? I've heard something like that, and I could definitely agree with it. I don't know for a fact if that is the case, but in the sense that our brain is constantly rebuilding itself, building new things, I would not be surprised at all because of that. What's uh? You talked a little bit, a little bit about neuroplasticity. What's some of the other cool things that you've kind of learned about the brain? If you can think of something off the top of your head that you've learned, you know, this through this process of your studies and, and things like that. So a big thing is perception is reality. Everybody experiences their own reality. They see things their own way, their own different things, and they take things in in a different way. Learning about how the brain specifically is constantly working, sending messages to every part of your body and sending it back to understand those messages, and then seeing the various survivors in my recovery program itself and seeing how it affected them was shocking for everything so it's different for everybody kind of like it's kind of what you're saying yeah um i going through my recovery program itself i saw other survivors who either got their injury from a sports accident and they were doing okay i saw some people who got into other motor vehicle accidents and they were suffering really hard with that but it ranged all the way from people who simply forgot a few things to there was a girl who Uh, My heart reaches out to her, of course, but she was in a car accident and she wasn't even driving and she wasn't, her friend wasn't even the one that got into the accident. She was riding in a friend's car and another driver had T-boned them on her side and she, she was in a wheelchair and needed speech assistance just to talk just from all the damage that occurred from it. But when I left the program, her speech had improved greatly and she was not walking on her own, but she was to the point where she could use a walker instead of having to be in a wheelchair for that. Also seeing another friend who was in that program with me, they were in another motor vehicle accident, and they had lost function of half their body. So they couldn't use half their face, they couldn't use half, like they couldn't use one of their arms, and they had to... They needed assistance walking around and doing everything like that. So seeing how a brain injury can vary in the symptoms and what can occur because of the different damage is really amazing and shocking at the same time too. And then seeing that actually recover, seeing people go from one point to a whole nother level just through time, effort, discipline, and practice, it really shows just how amazing our brain and our body are. Let's talk a little bit about the relationship between the brain and the body. I know you you brought up a, on one of your Instagram videos, I thought it was really fascinating. I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was some type of theory or something like that. So the polyvagal theory. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that, man. Okay. Um. So yeah, the polyvagal theory was something I learned after my recovery, doing my own uh, research and information. The polyvagal theory, definitely learned it with my past therapist as well, but it is a theory about how the brain, how the body and the brain are connected, but at the same time, the body can remember more than the brain. It's those feelings when you get those goosebumps or when the hair on the, hairs on the back of your neck stand up. The body gets familiar with various experiences in the sense that when you get scared or as a kid, when you were afraid of something or very happy with something, or when you're in those good environments or those negative environments, the first thing that occurs is the body's going to feel those things. It's going to send those sensations up to the brain and it's going to relay that information of if it feels safe or if it doesn't feel safe for that. 
So the polyvagal theory goes into detail about how the body, while the brain has its memories, our brain is constantly pushing back memories to the back of it to make room for new memories and for new environments that we are in. The body, however, is going to remember the more fight-or-flight scenarios that we experience. So, for instance, my motorcycle accident, when I'm driving on the road, even though I drive in a big old Jeep, I don't like being next to larger vehicles. It's not something I can consciously think of, but it's just a feeling that my body kind of has with that. Mm -hmm. um, so, the polyvagal theory describes a connection of various what were they called the polyvagal theory goes into I can't remember the exact name of it but it's various nerve tendons that run through our entire body that run up to our brain that give it information that tell us where we are if we're feeling safe but the polyvagal theory describes the various nerve endings and the senses that our body feel in certain, in certain situations. So when it's too hot out, when it's too cold out, when we're in a safe space, when we're not in a safe space, that feeling of fight or flight and how our body reacts to it. So sometimes, at least for me myself, when I'm not in a safe area, my body wants to kind of get a little bit smaller. It wants to shrink itself. I know exactly what you mean, yeah. And going into that and how it relates to the brain and how it can affect our mental space really can make a difference in recovery. Learning about the polyvagal theory is information nonetheless and while we can't change it we can take practices to accommodate for it and for those feelings and the sensations of fight or flight. But that is a big thing of the polyvagal theory. It's kind of similar to like the way you're describing it, like the, the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, how like there's certain information. This is just like what I've heard and you know read, but there's like certain information in your subconscious mind that you don't even realize that you have, like from your past and from even dreams too. What is your like take on dreams? I mean, do you have like, have you ever read anything about them? Like what, what is your take on them? Like where do dreams come from? What are they? Like where does all that information come from? So dreams are definitely a crazy thing. Uh, when I first woke up and for the first couple of months, I did not dream. That's the thing. That's what I meant by like everything was going on repeat. Each day repeated itself because I didn't have any dreams. I didn't have anything going on with that. But the dream dreams, at least in my opinion, are our subconscious mind at work. It is the fears that we have. It's the happinesses that we have. It's the joy. It's the sadness and all that that's being represented in our dreams. Going further, something that I read that really helped me to expand my mind and expand what I'm doing currently is the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, and that goes into detail about the subconscious mind and how what we tell ourselves and what we repeat in our own head are going to portray themselves in actual physical action. So learning how to change your subconscious mind is going to help to grow your conscious mind forward with that i like how you brought that book up because i read that book and i can't remember exactly but i think it might not have been in that exact book but there was a book that napoleon hill wrote where his i think he had a child who suffered some kind of accident i think it was like they were blind or something like that and he basically cured their blindness through a similar process of like repetition and it's pretty interesting i think he wrote about that in, in one of his books so that's fascinating that's a great book by the way yeah <laughs> 
No, yeah, it's a phenomenal book. It really helps, even though it's an old book, but those practices still stay true to today with everything. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, we were talking about Hug Your Head, man, talking about how it got started, the process, you know, how it got started, how it's how it's gotten to where it's at today. So how it got started it was just simply an idea. My mother, who was at my hospital bed while I was in a coma, she had the idea of starting some type of group called Hug Your Head to where it could help other TBI survivors as she was going through those experiences firsthand and how she was feeling with that. When I woke up, she had to take full focus into me and into her job, which was expanding and growing at that time. During COVID, I got into another car accident that really shook me at a psychological level and emotional level with that. And I wanted to make Hug Your Head what it is today and I wanted to grow exactly what it is we do. So Hug Your Head, I started off doing some online videos on Instagram as well as doing some Zooms to for support groups. After working on that for a little bit, I wanted to make an official 501c3 nonprofit organization. I went through the paperwork process of that, getting it established, having to say, show how long we've been established for, getting established with the Arizona Corporate Commission as a nonprofit entity then showing what our mission was, our goals, and how we were going to accomplish that. And since getting established as a 501c3, we have done nothing but grow it. I have done various speaking events here in Arizona at different locations with different organizations talking about overcoming TBI and learning to live with TBI. We've created various online resources as some nutrition plans. And myself, I became a published author through Hug Your Head, and we have a book called Learning to Live with TBI. It's an ebook that's free to download on our website. It covers everything I went through in my recovery program and in my recovery group, covering not the entire thing, but the big key points of going forward. What we are in the process of building right now is getting some speaking events on our own accord and hosting them ourselves started down at the Skysong facility and then also working to build weekend workshops where survivors and families can come and work with some professionals for the weekend to learn how they can accommodate for their injury and how they can approach recovery with it. What was your ebook called again? Learning to Live with TBI. And where can you get it? You can get it on our website, hugyourhead.org, and it's free to download. Awesome, bro. Question, so from all of the TBI survivors you've, you know, you've come in contact with, what would you say is like one of the big things that everybody has in common, I guess, outside of the injury itself, but like as far as one of the main things people struggle with, like what, what would you say, what would you say about that? I'd have to say probably the biggest thing that people have talked to me about is the emotional distress that is caused because of it and also the fluctuations in our personal chemical levels. As our brain controls everything, we can experience a lot of dysregulation in our body and the different types of vitamins and different types of nutrients that we absorb and how we process those things. So for instance, when many people experience depression and they get waves of anxiety that occur, that is something that is very common with it, as well as misunderstanding certain situations or misunderstanding how they are feeling about certain things so for myself when I woke up I I lost nearly all my empathy and my understanding of other people so I didn't really feel anything really Um, something that I did that I still am ashamed of but at the same time I can understand I'm learning from it 
is one of my friends had got injured of course during my injury and recovery process but I would talk about it I would say some things blatantly and I didn't really acknowledge what I was feeling or how I was feeling about them it was just more of what came to my mind immediately came out of my mouth I lost any and all filters that I had and my ability to interact with people on an empathetic empathetic level Uh, empathetic level Okay, bro. So to transition a little bit, how can you optimize the health of your brain? Like, what are some things you can do maybe through nutrition? Like, I'm curious your take on it. So, of course, the first step is to make sure you're giving your body the proper nutrients and resources. That way it can function as well as your brain. But the biggest change or the biggest game changer, I should say, for the brain and its recovery is repetition. So as I mentioned previously, neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to reconstruct itself and build new neural pathways in order to accommodate for certain disabilities or difficulties that we face on a day-to-day basis, it's doing them over and over again, going through that repetition, going through my recovery uh, program, for instance, we didn't change up what we were doing on a day-to-day basis. One of the things that I'm kind of interested in, you know, when it comes to the brain is the repetition and the neuroplasticity that kind of applies to a lot of different things outside of recovery. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, You know, I'm trying to basically like for somebody who hasn't had a brain injury, as far as neuroplasticity, it kind of applies to anything, right? Like as far as learning new skills, um, just learning new things in general, you know what I mean? Would you kind of agree with that? Yes. No, neuroplasticity is the body and the brain's super ability, superhuman ability to make itself more and create new things to do and it's through practice and repetition and someone who is practicing for instance an instrument for years on end they will know how to do it without even thinking about it because they have built new ways to do it or someone who works someone who has experience with a certain skill repeating it over and over again not changing it up but just repeating it over and over again is going to help both the body and the brain understand how to do those and grow comfortability comfortability with comfortability with anything that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Neuroplasticity applies to every human that is out there, not just brain injury survivors alone, but it has a big part to play in brain injury recovery as it helps to accommodate for any new disabilities that we face or any new issues that we struggle with for our day-to-day actions. Through repetition, we can grow that muscle because our brain, just like anything else in our body, is muscle. Training it, practicing with it, and preparing it for what you actually want to do with it is insanely beneficial to anybody who is approaching that. Yeah. Have you heard of the 10,000-hour rule? I'm sure you probably have. As far as the brain goes, it's like takes 10,000 hours to master something, and it's all through repetition. I've definitely heard about that. What I know, at least, is from the book Think and Grow Rich that we mentioned. It's the subconscious mind that, of course, is building around that by repeating to yourself certain things, practicing things over again. Through time and discipline, that muscle is going to grow. Yeah, and it, and it really does apply to anything. Like, it applies to fitness, too. Like, your, you know, your muscles develop like a memory almost, you know, muscle memory. You know, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating to, to learn about that. Um, how did your speaking engagements go? I know you, you said you did a couple. Um, how, how, how did they go, and what were some things you took away from your speaking engagements? So, I've never spoke on stage, <laughs> but I'm sure it's probably a little, little nerve-wracking. 
It is nerve-wracking, and what I've learned is talking about that repetition, <coughs> talking... <coughs> it is a bit ner... What the... T- take a break, bro. Oh, <coughs> I don't know if I got any more water for you. So speaking engagements, as you mentioned with that, they are definitely nerve-wracking with that. When I first began, it was more small group rooms with a group of 30, 40 people, not too many. And even then, I would tend to forget things because, of course, with my injury as well, that plays a big part in it. I couldn't really remember things too clearly or I would forget completely about what I'm talking about. But my biggest event was through the Ignite Speaking, which is a nationwide program and it's a nationwide movement called Ignite. And I was unbelievably proud of how I did with that. I went on stage in front of, uh, I don't know, a hundred or two maybe people and got to speak about overcoming TBI and I was very proud of how everything went. I didn't have any missteps, and a big reason why I have to say for that is because of the practice that I did, the repetition that I took into that and learning about it. Yeah. Um, What are some of your goals, I mean, as far as, like, moving forward with Hug Your Head Foundation, Inc.? What's some of the goals that you and your family have with it? Some of the goals that we have for Hug Your Head Foundation, Inc. is to begin getting our speaking engagements that we host personally up and running and on a consistent basis, as well as beginning to host weekend or short-form kind of workshops that can summarize what I learned in the span of a year and a half going to my intensive recovery program and taking that information and creating more accessibility to those who can't get access to what I was blessed to have with that. So right now what we're working on, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, is yeah, we're on that. So as we talked about a little bit earlier, we are growing our speaking events. We are getting those set up and built so that way we can expand it into our ambassador program because we have a few individuals who are reaching out to us asking how they can help, what they can do. Connecting with those ambassadors and providing the resources as well as an outline of exactly what we want to do with these speaking events is really going to help to increase awareness around the entire nation, even country. We have a few people from even Brazil reaching out to talk to us and saying, hey, how can I help? We have a few from different states here in the United States. So right now what we are working on building is some online resources that TBI survivors and their families can use as well as getting our speaking events live to raise awareness and then getting our workshops up and running to increase support and accessibility to those who can't afford the amazing program I was in or can't travel and spend the time that need that is needed to dedicate to that type of program. That's awesome, bro. What is um what are some of the main things you're working on right now as far as like day to day when it comes to your foundation? Like the coaching aspect or the speaking aspect or the content, like what are some of the main things you're focusing on right now? Right now, what I'm focusing on is I need to build up the content a little bit more. I need to create more of a consistency with our content. I have had to take some breaks for my own mental stability, but right now I am working on the consistency of our content, trying to get something more fluid and getting the workflows locked down, 
getting our speaking events live and up and running. So what I've been working on is outlining how we want these speaking events going as well as our workshops. That way when we do have the space and the time to be able to host these, we know exactly who we're going to reach out to, who we want at these events, what is going to happen, and how they're going to progress. Doing this and in combination with our ambassador program that we've built, individuals will be able to host these in their own local areas. And again, doing the same thing, increasing awareness, support, and resources for TBI survivors and their families, because it's not only the survivors that are affected, but it's everyone around them that is affected. That's awesome, bro. Um, to transition a little bit, um, you know, this is the Real Fit Podcast, so we'll talk a little bit about fitness, man. I mean, you got any goals as far as fitness? Um, are, are, do you lift at all, or do you do anything like any strength training, or what are you usually doing these days? So after my most recent accident, which was during COVID, I definitely got more into my fitness and my health. I worked on nutrition, getting the right things into my body, and focusing on my body weight exercises primarily. So I, what I do now is I go on morning runs and walks with my dogs. It's simple, it's easy, gets the body moving and wakes it up. And then going into more body weight exercises, things to strengthen my overall form and my overall strength. A lot of calisthenics and stuff like that. A lot of yeah. calisthenics, a lot of trying to do pull-ups, uh, doing push-ups. So something that's actually kind of crazy that blew my mind a little bit is doing 100 push-ups every single morning, waking up, and that's the first thing I would do. And now mixing that in with the recent training program that I myself have entered into, again, expand my knowledge even more about nutrition and body health and how I can bring that to other survivors, doing the burpees, but... Going into fitness, the big thing, the big things were expanding my own personal strength before trying to grow that. It was being able to maintain doing calisthenics, as you mentioned, doing the morning runs and walks, being able to increase my own core strength and my overall body strength to the point where I felt comfortable and I can go to the gym to be able to lift weights and to grow my body itself. I have begun going to the gym a lot more lately and again realizing how difficult at times it can be. While TBI can affect us on a mental level and it can affect our physical abilities, definitely with my own personal injury because I was in a motorcycle accident, my body wasn't too protected, I slid on the asphalt, cut my body up, damaged my body a little bit and was slammed into a car. I have pain on my right side and then the most recent accident actually definitely put more damage onto my knee specifically so trying to mix that in with my current workouts and what I have done in the past as well mixing that in has been a new challenge to approach with that definitely splitting it up and approaching each body part on different days is going to be a solid approach when going into fitness so rather than going to the gym and thinking you have to work out your entire body it's breaking up into different segments your back and by chest and try legs and shoulders and splitting that up can help reduce the strain that's put on your body as well as allow you to focus on those areas and grow those specific areas absolutely bro it's a, it's a great way to do it that's actually i mean about two years ago that's kind of how i started it was just calisthenics for the most part it's a great way to kind of start and you know get a little bit of um strength and you know just core body strength and, and things like that and then move your way into weight training and and growing your body from there so yeah bodybuilding's a it's a great thing to do and it's super cool to kind of see your body grow over time man so definitely i'm, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing that process with you bro if you ever want to get a workout in or anything like that man that'd be that'd be super cool but but yeah bro i don't really have anything else 
for today, man. I really appreciate you coming out here, bro. Um, and a final message or anything like that you want people to know about your, you know, your, your foundation and things like that? Um, yeah, so my final message is take a look at our foundation, Hug Your Head Foundation, Inc. You can find us at hugyourhead.org. We have various resources on our online site, information, as well as links to other organizations that can really assist with TBI recovery overall. If you yourself or anybody you know is struggling with TBI, please have them reach out. We would love to talk with them a little bit more. And it really is an invisible disability. For instance, coming on to this, going to these various events, most people can't even tell until I tell them that, hey, seven years ago, I was in a coma. I couldn't stand up on my own. I had to have 24-hour supervision and needed a belt around my back just to walk around the hospital itself. So coming from that point where I could not function on a daily basis and had the mindset of a child to where I am today and the knowledge that I've learned is not going to happen overnight. Yeah. It's going to be a long road to recovery to say the least with that. So take a look at our website, take a look at our speaking events coming up as well as any of our workshops. If anybody here knows that knows someone that is suffering from TBI or knows a family member that has sustained one and is looking for more resources to help their own personal recovery, it's taking that first step and looking for those resources that is going to make a difference rather than waiting for the resources to come to you. And what's your what's your Instagram, bro, if anybody wants to reach you? Our Instagram is at HugYourHead, and you can find us right there. If you want to reach my personal Instagram, it's at LucasCarlsonOfficial. But you are going to mess up on the spelling. Lucas is spelled with a K, and Carlson is spelled with a K and two S's. Awesome, bro. Well, thank you again, man, for, for coming out here. It was a great conversation, and we definitely got to meet up sometime, maybe get a workout in or something. But thanks again, bro. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Peace awesome. out. Awesome. Peace out.